Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. My focus is going to be from verse 13 to verse 16, but I want to read that entire section from verse 1 for the context. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. And brethren, it It reads as follows. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and he sat down. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evils against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And this is my focus. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father. He's in heaven. Amen. Brethren, let's ask for God's help. Father, please give us attentive hearts. Please cause us to hear your truth with all humility. Open our eyes to see with clarity. Open our ears to hear with understanding. May we obey every word with fear and trembling. May we drink deeply from its truth. May we feed our souls with the nourishment of your word. Amen. Brethren, earlier this week, I was listening to, to the news on the radio, and they spoke about a man who applied for a job online. And this man applied for the job online, and uh, a few days later, he was called for an interview. 
and he prepared himself, went to the interview, and attended the interview. And after the interview, he got a call, and they asked him to send some money for administration purposes. So this man sent this money, and a few days later, he got the job offer. And they told him, congratulations, you got the job. And he quit his current job, and he waited for that first day to report for duty. And on that first day, he arrived, and he found the shock of his life. It was all a scam. The job was not there. There was no job waiting for him. He was a victim of a scam. Brethren, something more tragic than being a victim of a job scam is realizing that the Christianity that you've embraced is false, is unbiblical, and far from the truth. This is the tragedy of tragedies. And that's why this morning I want to talk about qualities of kingdom citizens. Qualities of kingdom citizens. I want to give you the points ahead so you can see where we're going. I want to talk about three qualities of kingdom citizens so you would be steadfast, you'd rejoice and serve Jesus fully. And if you're an unbeliever, I want you to see these qualities of kingdom citizens so you would desire to serve Jesus and obey him and bow before King Jesus. So here are the three qualities of kingdom citizens. Number one, true kingdom citizens acknowledge Jesus as king. True kingdom citizens first acknowledge Jesus as king. Second, true kingdom citizens are changed and they bring change in the world. And third, true kingdom citizens have right motives for doing good works. True kingdom citizens have right motives for doing good works. Brethren, Matthew presents the identity and the accomplishment of Jesus Christ by using a kingdom theme. In the opening of the book of Matthew, in chapter 1, it says the genealogy of Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham. What Matthew is trying to, to do, what Matthew wants us to notice, is that Jesus Christ is that long-awaited king. In Matthew chapter 1, 21, Matthew continues to show us the king's mandate. He says here about Jesus, he says he will save his own people from their sins. In Matthew chapter 2, we see the arrival of the king. And we see that the birth of King Jesus shakes King Herod. In Matthew chapter 3, we see the king's herald. Matthew 3 records John the Baptist, a forerunner of Jesus, preaching a message of the kingdom and a message of repentance. In Matthew chapter 4, we see the king himself speaks. Jesus comes on the scene and he speaks himself. Matthew chapter 4, 17, it tells us, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Matthew 4, 23, it tells us that he went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. 
In the famous Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 to 7, we see Jesus declaring the manifesto of his kingdom. And so brethren, from our passage together, from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16, let's observe together qualities of true kingdom citizens. And first, true kingdom citizens acknowledge Jesus as king. Look at our passage there. You are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Brother, the question is, who is Jesus speaking to? Who is Jesus referring to? When he says, you are the the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, who is he talking to? In chapter 5, verse 1, it tells us clearly that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Jesus is referring to his disciples. He's addressing his disciples in this talk. And the disciples of Jesus Christ are those who have turned away from everything and turned to Jesus Christ. They are those who have heeded the call of repentance. They are those who have acknowledged Jesus as King. Matthew does not want us to miss this point. See how Matthew describes how Jesus calls his disciples in Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Matthew wants us to see that Jesus commands, and those who acknowledge him obey. Look at how Jesus calls the other disciples. It says, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Verse 22 of Matthew chapter 4, it says, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The king gives orders, and those who acknowledge him obey True kingdom citizens are those who acknowledge Jesus as king. Not as a mere historical figure, but as a king. Brother Matthew is saying to us, the king is here. Jesus is here. He's that long-awaited king. Matthew traces out the genealogy of Jesus as one who comes from the Lion of David. Matthew wants us to see that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise that was made to David. Brethren, Matthew is not alone in calling Jesus a king. I want you to see the promise that God makes to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. God makes a promise to David. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7 it says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. Who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Brethren, what we see in the Old Testament, we see a retelling of this promise. We see a reminder of this promise. We see an anticipation of this promise. We see a longing for for the fulfillment of this promise that God made to David. It's not just in 2 Samuel. Let's see what prophet Isaiah tells us about this promise. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says, For to us a child is born, 
To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The message is clear. A king will come from the line of David. And Matthew doesn't want you to miss that this king is King Jesus. Jeremiah 23 verse 5. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king, and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Brethren, the prophets are in agreement. Ezekiel 37 verse 24. My servant David shall be king over them. Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me the one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. Brethren, the Old Testament preached a message of anticipation. The Old Testament preachers preached a message of expectation, a message of hope, a message of looking forward to the arrival of the king. And Matthew wants you to see that this king is King Jesus. And this is who Matthew is referring to when he says, You are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. He's referring to his disciples. And his disciples are those who have acknowledged Jesus as king. Matthew continues to show us what it means to acknowledge Jesus as king. What does it mean to acknowledge Jesus as king? I can give it to you in one way. It's to repent. It's to repent. This is the message that John the Baptist was preaching. And this is the message that Jesus himself was preaching. Repent for the gospel, for the kingdom is near. In Matthew 4.17, Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Mark 1, it tells us this in verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So what is the meaning of repentance? Repentance means to change your mind in a way that leads to a change of actions. Repentance means a change of mind that leads to a change of actions. It is changing how you think. It is turning away from something and turning to another. It is to acknowledge Jesus as king. It is to see your need of him. It is to forsake all self-dependence and to rely upon Jesus Christ. It is to turn away from yourself and turn towards Jesus Christ. Repentance means to recognize your terrible condition in sin and see the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. Repentance means to understand the wrath of God against sinners and see the substitutional work of Jesus Christ. Repentance means to know what God requires from you and to see Jesus fulfilling that for you. 
To acknowledge Jesus as king is to say, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Perhaps you might say, how could a king stoop so low? Brethren, him answers this question for us. He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite, his grace. He emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all, immense and free, for oh my God, it found out me. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus is king and we must repent and acknowledge him as king. In John 1, it tells us he's the king of Israel. John continues to tell us he's the king of the Jews. 1 Timothy 6, he tells us he's the king of kings. 1 Timothy 1, he's the king of ages, immortal, invisible. In Revelation, it tells us he's the king of the nations. He's the king of salvation. Brethren, the Old Testament declares Jesus to be king. The Psalms declare Jesus to be king. The prophets anticipate his arrival. And Matthew shows us clearly that Jesus is the king, the heir of David. Now what do you say about Jesus? When wise men learned of him in Matthew chapter 2, they resolved to worship. When Herod heard about him, he was so threatened that he wanted to kill him. The chief priests were not confused about his identity. They merely refused to honor him and worship him as king. His disciples resolved to immediately follow him and acknowledge him as king. What do you say about Jesus? And brethren, I want to implore you this morning, acknowledge Jesus as king by repenting and turning to him. Charles Spurgeon puts it this way. He says, a sure proof that a soul has been conquered for Christ will be found in a real change of life. If the man does not live differently from what he did before, both at home and away from home, his repentance needs to be repented of, and his conversion is a fiction. This brings us to our second quality of kingdom citizens. Kingdom citizens are seen by changed lives. They are changed and they bring change in the world. Kingdom citizens are changed and they bring change in the world. Look at our passage. Let's go back to our passage, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Brethren, Jesus is using two illustrations here to drive home the same point. The point being that kingdom citizens are changed and they bring change in the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Salt is used to bring taste and preservation. Light is used to shine forth in the dark. Notice how this verse states this truth. You are the salt. You are the light. It does not say you will become. You must become. You may be. You have the option to become. When it suits you, try to become. It says, you are the salt. You are the light. The lesson in short, brethren, live according to your new identity. 
The statement is for all Christians. This is not just for pastors, for elders, for theologians, for a special sort of Christians. This is for all Christians. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Jesus is calling us to become what we are. Legit kingdom citizens are changed and they bring change in the world. Brethren, salt is used for preservation and for bringing taste. And what this means is that Christians are used by God to beat back the decay and the rot in the world. We are commissioned to bring taste and to point people to Jesus Christ in how we live our lives. Brethren, Christians serve as a light in this dark world. We have a mission to shine forth the brightness of Jesus Christ in this dark and dingy world. The world is in spiritual darkness. The world is in moral darkness. The world is in relational darkness. The world is in intellectual darkness. And Christians are called to shine forth the light of Jesus Christ in this dark and dingy world. The idea, brethren, is that Christians must be an example of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Now, how do Christians do this? Let us observe how Jesus describes Christians in Matthew chapter 5, in the Beatitudes. True kingdom citizens are poor in spirit. This means that they have a real awareness of their need for God. They have poverty of the spirit. They have lowliness in the heart. They are marked by humility. True kingdom citizens mourn. They are mournful for sin. They are grieved by the rampantness, the rampantness of sin in this world and in themselves. They are heartbroken by the godlessness of our age. They are in constant repentance. Jesus continues to say true kingdom citizens are meek. They are in control of themselves. They are gentle, they are self-sacrificing, they are not intoxicated by power and authority. True kingdom citizens hunger and thirst for righteousness. They long to serve God, they want to see every righteous principle in the world. They desire to be holy, they are not just satisfied with the norm, they hunger and thirst for righteousness. True kingdom citizens are not cynical about the condition of the world. They truly believe that the gospel can change people. They have a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus describes true kingdom citizens. He says they are merciful. They are ready to forgive because they have been forgiven. They are kind. They are generous. They are sympathetic. They are pure in heart. They are not mere people pleasers. They pursue purity from the heart. They are marked by integrity. They are the same in private and in public. True kingdom citizens are peacemakers. They love peace. They have the peace of God. They have experienced the peace of God. They experienced peace with God and now they pursue peace with others. True kingdom citizens endure in persecution. They set an example of patience and suffering. They are steadfast. They, are entrust, they have entrusted themselves to the sovereignty of God. They have endurance in persecution. And this is how Jesus describes kingdom citizens. True kingdom citizens are changed and they bring change. They have a godly influence on others. 
They have a radical impact in the world. They have different God-centered priorities. They speak and challenge injustice in the world. They are burdened by the eternal souls of men and women. They want to see people won for Christ. And they want others to acknowledge Jesus as king. And perhaps you are here and thinking, this is too hard. I don't think I can rise to that standard. Brethren, let me remind you, Jesus is not calling you to be what you are not. Jesus says, be what you are. All those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ have the supernatural ability to change. They have the the supernatural ability to live changed lives and to bring change in the world. You know Titus 2.11, 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Jesus is not calling you to become what you are not. He's saying, be what you are. Be what you are. Here's, here's another word of hope. God uses normal, ordinary Christians to bring about extraordinary change in the world. And so, brethren, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, be hopeful. God uses normal, ordinary Christians to bring about extraordinary change in the world. Have you heard of Oluwado Equiano? He was, he was a slave taken from Nigeria to Britain. And he was saved in Britain and worked tirelessly for the cause of ending slavery in the world. And normal, ordinary Christian bringing extraordinary change in the world. There's a Japanese man called Chiyuni Sugihara. He, he was a Japanese Christian who saved 6,000 Jews during the Second World War. And he issued visas for them to escape to Japan. Have you heard of the evangelist Nicholas Bengu? A Zulu Christian preacher born in 1909. He was banished twice from his village for preaching the gospel. He was used by God to establish the Assemblies of God congregations in townships and villages. And majority of the people in townships and villages who have heard the gospel have been directly or indirectly impacted by this ministry. Uh, Just listen to a newspaper article from the Times about the evangelist Nicholas Bengu. The title is called The Black Billy Graham. Monday, 23 November 1959. It says, One of the strongest influences in Africa is a 50-year-old Zulu with a pencil, line, mustache, and horn-rimmed spectacles who has a knack of persuading criminals to turn in their weapons and often themselves. He's seen wearing a dark business suit. The Reverend Nicholas Bengu stands on a packing case platform and says quietly in Zulu, meaning crime does not pay. There's a movement in the crowd, especially among the young toughs in dark tail haircuts, dungarees and safari jackets. He continues to say, meaning surrender your arms and yourself to God. He continues preaching the gospel and pleading with people to surrender to Jesus Christ. And the pile begins to grow at his feet. Knives, blackjacks, brass knuckles, and quantities of stolen goods. At one meeting, police cut away three van loads 
And it is not unusual for evangelist Bengu to end up walking down to the police station hand in hand with someone on the wanted list. Now how did he get saved? He heard the gospel from his own mother. Normal, ordinary Christians bringing change in the world, bringing about extraordinary change for God. Now let's bring it home. Look around, look around, brethren. 13 years ago, this congregation that we know as Living Hope Church did not exist. And what happened? God used normal, ordinary Christians doing normal, ordinary things like a Bible study in Rudy's flat. Isn't this the good news that the gospel can have such a great impact in the world? See how our church is a beacon of hope in our city. Do you want to make an impact for God in the world? Don't wait for the big moment. Be faithful in the normal, ordinary, seemingly mundane things. Brethren, we are so thankful for how God has used different people in our congregation to be salt and light in the world. We are so thankful for our faithful elders equipping us, praying for us, caring, teaching, and protecting us from error. We're so thankful for the deacons in our church, their servant attitude, and serving the people in our congregation, for missionaries serving in our church and our community. We are so thankful for the desire that the Lord has put in the Songwanis to go to Kabungeni and start a church there that would be a center for the proclamation of the gospel. We are so thankful, as we had Gary Kai announcing here, baby number 62 at Mapumuzi Baby Home. Can you think about the impact that has been done in all those children who have been placed in godly Christian homes? We're so thankful for another baby home in Ferry Glen, Atarela, for the counseling ministry of our church. Hours and hours spent counseling difficult issues, building people up to be firm, exemplary Christians. We're thankful for the normal, ordinary Christians living faithfully to God in your communities and in your work. And this makes a big change and points people to Jesus Christ. People want to know, why do you live the way you live? Be hopeful. God uses ordinary people doing ordinary things to bring about extraordinary change. You, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And the charge is that you need to be faithful and not complacent. Let's let's look at the next section of our verse. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Look at the corresponding section in verse verse 15. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Brethren, true kingdom citizens are not just satisfied with hiding under the radar. We will not make any impact in the world if we hide ourselves. We are meant to proclaim the hope that we have to the world. First Peter 2.9, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are the light of the world. Listen to how Spurgeon puts it here. He says, Christ never contemplated the production of secret Christians. 
Christ never contemplated Christians whose virtues would not be displayed. Jesus never contemplated pilgrims who travel to heaven by night and never be seen by their fellow pilgrims or anyone else. So perhaps you say, yes, I hear you, but how do I do this? You cannot do this alone. You need to join a church and be part of a body of believers. You need to remember the gospel. You are not saved by what you do. You are saved by what Christ has done. Pursue others and avail yourself to others. Do you want to grow? Do you really want to grow? Identify mature Christians. Ask them to disciple you. Avail yourself. Identify unique opportunities that you have in your life to make much of Christ. Write that down and pray for boldness to act. Take normal means of grace seriously. Fellowship, Bible intake, prayer, discipleship, serving, the Lord's table, GC. Are these things priorities in your life? Brethren, true kingdom citizens acknowledge Jesus as king and they are changed and they bring change in the world. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Someone may say, oh, there are people out there who do good works. What is different about the good works done by Christians? What is it that sets them apart? And first, brethren, to answer that question, we should rejoice even when we see unbelievers doing good works because they're acting out uh, what they're meant to be. They're made in the image of God. But people have different motives for doing good works. For some people, it's a sense of guilt. For some people, it's to feel good about themselves. For others, it's pride and to be seen by others. And for other people, it's to earn salvation. And what I want to emphasize here, brethren, is that we do not earn salvation by our good works. Jesus has done it all. And our good works is a response to him. And this brings us to our third point. Brethren, kingdom citizens acknowledge Jesus as king. They are changed and they bring change. And third, they have good motives for doing good works. They have the right motives for doing good works. The first motive that believers have for doing good works in the world is a response of thankfulness to God. A response of thankfulness to God. And number two, evangelism and the glory of God. Let's look at how our passage progresses. In verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we do good works for evangelism and the glory of God. Brethren, our focus is not merely behavior modification. Our focus is not mere moral regeneration, making the world a better place. Our passion is to see people coming to Jesus for salvation, people worn for Christ, people acknowledging Jesus as King. 
And third, let me close with this one. Our motive for doing good works is that our pursuit for holiness is a declaration of thy kingdom come. Brethren, the church, when functioning right, provides a foretaste of what it looks like to dwell with God. Even though we are not perfected, we provide a glimpse of what it looks like to have reverence for God, to pursue purity, to worship, to walk in righteousness, to belong to another kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. John wraps it up in this way in Revelation 21. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be, as them, will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Listen to this. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. This is our motive for doing good works. We are making a declaration of thy kingdom come. Kingdom citizens acknowledge Jesus as king. They live changed lives. And they have right motives for doing good works. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you that you have designed a plan for redemption that rescues unworthy and guilty sinners. Thank you that you have placed us into your kingdom. We rejoice that you build your kingdom through your body, the church. We rejoice that every member has an important role to play. We bless you for the gospel and all that it brings. We bless you for salvation for liberation, for healing and hope. Father, we confess that there are times when we are not as useful as we should be. We confess that we've often been unloving, uncaring, proud, selfish, impatient, and too earthly-minded. And in all these ways we have offended you, Lord. We ask for your forgiveness. You, Lord, are everything we need. You are our stronghold, our deliverer, our strength and hope, our guide and keeper. Help us to reflect the glory of Christ. Help us to be the salt and light in the world. Amen.